Hi, and thanks for checking out our City Reach Philly podcast from wherever you are listening. We hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Praise God. I, God is so good, and there is so much happening uh, in our church, in our community, uh, and in our spirits. How many can give glory to Jesus for that? And I just want to just uh, remind you that there's more. There's more. God has more uh, for you and for your life your situation and your circumstance, and um, uh, today the title of our message is um, uh, Hold On To Your Promise, Hold On To Your Promise, and, and maybe you say, well, I'm not even sure what you're just talking about, Pastor, maybe you're saying, uh, uh, what promise are you talking about? I'm talking about a promise that God put in your heart before you were even born. Yes, Lord. I believe, according to what the Bible tells me, that you were created with a purpose, a very unique purpose, and, and we talk about it here all the time about that purpose and that promise that God placed over your life. And, and maybe you're like, well, I don't know what that promise is. Pastor, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And many of you know what that promise is. And, and many of us have moments in our lives where we let go of that promise. There's moments in our lives where we forget about the promise. There's many times in our lives where that promise becomes an impossibility. There's times in our lives where that promise is like it's never going to happen because of everything that we carry. My wife mentioned a few things we carry, the burdens we carry, the pain that we carry. And, and then all of a sudden the promise doesn't even feel like it could ever happen. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God has a promise for you and you need to hold on to that promise. You know, and on a little bit of a lighter note, I'm going to say I, I love... I love dessert. I, I, I do. I like that. After even while I'm eating, I'm thinking about what we're going to order for dessert, right? And um, I'm not sure what your favorite dessert is, but I need you to look at the person next to you and reveal it to them. Maybe they already know. I have a favorite. I got a couple of them. So, are you having too much fun with this? <laughs> so, there's a couple things that I really like, and, and they're kind of generic and not fancy. But I like that cheesecake that's really light. Right? It's, like, it's not a little heavy. Like, like Cheesecake Factory, no offense to them, they're good, but it's a little too heavy for me. It's like, it like feels, it's like a couple, you know, it's too much. But I like that real light one that's not too sweet, right? Maybe a little bit of whipped cream on it. Right? All right. All right. Praise God for dessert, right? And then I also like some warm apple pie. Put a little bit of ice cream on it, and it just kind of flows. You get the cold sensation and the hot sensation. There's no ice cream today after church, I'm sorry. But I like dessert, right? And I think we all, you know, for the most part we like it. There's some people who don't, and praise God for that. Um, but right now, I, can, I know some of you could even see it, right? You see it, you can almost taste it, right? And... And the truth is that if all we ate was dessert, well, then it would be, we would be in trouble, right? That's why sometimes we got to watch our portion of dessert. Um, sometimes we got to do a better job of that, right? We need some other things. We need protein, we need vegetables, we need vitamins um, uh, so that we can be healthy. Uh, and sometimes eating all the good stuff is not that much fun. There's some pain involved in it. But it's necessary to stay healthy and to stay fit. So we got to endure some of the pain of, of, of non-desserts, right? Yeah. Um, the, the same thing goes in our spiritual lives. That there's some moments, man, when it's like dessert. I think right now, when we're up here, 
And you feel the Holy Spirit moving, and we're on one. You see some, some men up here with their hands up, and some, some women up here with their hands, and some young people with their hands up. It's like dessert, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't even want this thing to end. I just want to stay in his presence. And, and, and that's, that's possible, right? Um, but we got to go after him for that to begin to happen uh, consistently in our lives. Um, and, 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 and I want to get back to our promises because we talked about dessert right now. But in order to live out your promise, there's some pain involved. There's some pain that's involved in the process for you to get to your promise. Uh, and, and no one really wants to talk about the painful part, but your promise becoming a reality requires pain. Um, and I, I have to say that because I've lived it. And many of you have lived it, are living it, or are about to start living it. There's some pain in your promise. And uh, we're gonna jump right to the book of Genesis chapter 39. Verses 6 through 12. Where it says this, it says, So Potiphar, and that's a, he was a, a, a general in, in the Egyptian army, but he had a, a, a very high position. And it says here, So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Keep, keep that up there just for a second. Uh, yeah, go back. So let's get this part of the story. Yeah, the, the ruler, the general, Potiphar, he had a lot of influence. And he, uh, he, he finds Joseph, who was a slave at the time. And he puts him, he, 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 he uh, brings him into his household. Over time, Joseph begins to gain some responsibility because of the choices he made. And the Bible tells us right there, he says, with Joseph there, Potiphar didn't worry about a thing. He just worried about what dessert to order, right? Because everything was in place, because he trusted Joseph, because Joseph had God's favor over him. But all of a sudden, we see that Joseph was a strong young man, good looking, like I used to be, right? <laughs> Praise God, I got home. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Um, but his wife, Potiphar's wife, we don't know her name, but we know that she begins to put her eye on young Joseph. Uh, she tells him this in the next verse. She says, come and sleep with me, she demands. She demands from him. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in this entire house. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except for you, he says, because you are his wife. How could you do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. And she kept putting pressure on um, It says, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept her, kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, when no one else was around, when he went to do his work, she came, she grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. So let's just get back to the promises right now. Let's just get back to the promises. We want our promise, and I talked about how you have a promise in your life, in your heart. I believe you have several promises that God has placed in your, in your life. That you're not here, we say this a lot here, but you're not here just to, 
to get by just to use up some air. You're here because God put breath of life into you for a purpose and so to fulfill a promise that he has for you so that you will be able to expand his kingdom. Very unique, very personal for you. Very unique and personal for me. And in order to, to discover and live out that purpose, again, we have to endure some pain. There's two types of pain I want to talk about today. One is unavoidable pain. That's pain that if you want to live out your purpose, you gotta, you can't avoid that pain. And then there's some pain that we can avoid, right? Yes. There's some avoidable pain. Um, and that's some pain that we can avoid if we, if we made some better choices, right? And, and if, we, um, if we begin to live according to God's word, then we can avoid some pain. Um, if we read the stories in the Bible, you read about King David, you read about Moses, you read about Daniel, and you see their lives, and you start to, to say, I'm, I'm going to live a little bit like that. I'm going to live like Daniel, where he proposed in his heart not to contaminate himself with the world, right? Yeah. You say, well, I'm going to live, and you can avoid some pain in your life. Yeah. How many wish we could go back and, and avoid a little bit of pain, right? Yeah. All of us. Yeah. All of us. All of us have had some regrets. There's some things... But, but thank God that there is a God who hasn't given up on your promise. Right? And, and I want to speak hope because, yeah, we have regrets. Yeah, yeah, there's some things that we could have done better. But, but we're here now, and God has not given up on us. God has not given up on your promise, so you must hold on to that promise today. Um, again, there's unavoidable pains and these avoidable pains. Um, so let's get back to Joseph, young Joseph. He's about 12, 13 years old, the Bible tells us. He was a young man. All of a sudden, he begins to have visions. He begins to have these dreams. He has these dreams, and um, in the dream, he saw his brothers, and he saw his father. They would bow down to him. He started to feel a little prideful. He was already the, the, fav the, the favorite in the house. His dad had uh, kind of said, by, by, by blessing him with, with extra stuff, that he was the favorite. You know, his, his father had several um, wives, but his favorite wife was Rachel. And Rachel's son was Joseph. So Joseph was the, the son of the favorite, right? Yeah. And, and so all of a sudden he has his dreams, and the Bible tells us that his brothers got angry at him. They yeah. started to despise him. The Bible even tells us that his father got upset with him because he was trying to maybe be a little too much. Um, and if you want to read the dreams that he had, it's in chapter 37. I would say go back, when you go home, read chapter 37, you'll read the dreams that he had. Or his brothers, his father, they, they, they got angry at him. Um, and, and the Bible says that his brothers had gone out, and, and fa his father says, his father, uh, Jacob says, um, Joseph, I need, you to, I need you to go take some bread to your brothers. So he goes out to take some stuff to his brothers. As his brothers saw him coming, they plotted to kill him. They said, this is our chance. It's only us and Joseph. And they began to plot to, to kill him. His life was spared because one brother named Reuben said, no, 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 we can't do that. Why don't we not do that? Why don't we just put him in this pit for a little bit? And they did that. They, they put him in a pit, and they set him up, and, and they wanted to kill him. But Reuben said, no, no, let's not kill him. Look, at there's a caravan. There's some merchants coming by. Let's sell him as a slave. And so that's what they did. They take him out of the pit, they take his clothes off, uh, his coat, and they fill it with blood. They, they, they sell him off to, um, to the merchants who are going to Egypt. They go back home and tell their dad, look, we found this. We found this 
Joseph's coat and it was full of blood. And so Jacob believes that his son is dead. His favorite son is dead, but he's not dead. The brothers just think that they're getting their way. They get rid of Joseph and their life, they think it's going to be happily ever after, but that's not the case. Joseph gets to Egypt. He's a slave. He ends up in the house of Potiphar. As we just read, that he all of a sudden has God's favor on him. He makes some good decisions. He makes right decisions. When he has the opportunity, because I'm telling you that Potiphar's wife was not an ugly woman. He was a man of influence. He probably had one of the most beautiful women in Egypt. And she had her eye on, on... on, on Joseph, but Joseph said this would what it would it would it would hinder uh, uh, it would hinder my life, it would hinder your life, and it would be a sin against God. He told her, yes. but he made the right choice, and that right choice sent him to prison. Yes, right. And, and this is what I want to get to today. There's some times yes. when we have to make the right choice, yes. even if it means we got to go to prison, right? Because if he wouldn't have made the right choice, he would have let go of his promise. Yes. And there's a lot of times in our life when we face a situation where it's either, right, it's either me or them, right? Yes. And we may choose the wrong choice or make the wrong decision, make the wrong choice instead of making the right decision, even if it costs us something, even if it causes a little more pain to add to the pain we're already carrying. And so Joseph, look, he was the man at home. All of a sudden, he's a slave. He makes the right choice, ends up in prison, right? Because see, the way to your promise sometimes is backwards or down. See, we we think our promise is up there. And it is. But in order to get to the promise, sometimes we got to go backwards. Sometimes we got to go further down in a pit, a little deeper. But we, even if God calls us to that, we cannot let go of our promise. And I believe that Joseph, even, did, even though he didn't agree, I could see Joseph saying, but God, I told her no. In fact, God, I fled from her. I left. And yet, yet, yet here I am in prison. And I, I know there was moments in Joseph's life when he was like, the dream, the promise, it was a lie. I know there had to be moments when he was in that jail cell saying, this cannot be the promise. Ah, this cannot be what I see. That dream I saw was false. And, and I believe that many of us find ourselves in that place yes. where that promise that God's given us, we've given up on it. We say, no, it's never going to happen. We take it, we throw it in the trash, never to pick it up again. And God says, go back today and pick up that promise that I put in you. Take it out of the trash, uncrumble it, right? because the promise comes with some pain and it comes with some tears. And I'll tell you one thing, that the pain you endure, the tears you shed in order to, what, get your promise, they are worth it. They're worth it. Every tear you shed, every person who turns their back on you, right, because you make the right choice, because you make the right decision, Hallelujah, I tell you this morning, I urge you, I challenge you this morning, hold on to your promise no matter what. Don't let it go. 
Do not let it go. Don't let your mama take it from you. Don't let your daddy take it from you. Don't take your, your best friend take it from you. Don't let your spouse take it or your kids take it. Don't let the devil take your promise away. Hold on to that thing. In the name of Jesus. Sometimes that prison is a spiritual prison. It's not always a physical prison, right? Maybe it's a child that says, this is a prison that God's taking me to. It feels like I'm in a prison. Hallelujah. It's in that place you'll begin to discover your promise. It's in that place where he'll begin to mold you and transform you so that you can truly live out that purpose that he placed in you before you were born. When you, when you were even a thought in your mama's brain, hallelujah, or in her thoughts, when God was forming, hallelujah, little hallelujah, hope glory that your little baby said, oh yeah, because I'm going to place a, a promise in this young man's life, and he's going to impact, hallelujah, my kingdom. If he would just hold on to the promise. Yeah. Glory to Jesus. And we see that Joseph kept making good decisions. Hallelujah. Yes. Church, how do we hold on to the promise? One way is we, we make good choices. We hold on to the promise by doing the right thing. Amen. Even when it hurts. Even when it don't make sense. Even when it's not logical. Hallelujah. Not easy, church. That's why a lot of people don't live out their promise. Because this is not easy. Yes. See, it's about doing the right thing when no one else sees you, right? It's, a not, it's about not looking, watching that pornographic movie or, or thing when you're all by yourself. That's holding on to your promise, right? Yes. So it's when you don't cheat on your taxes, uh -oh. right? You're holding on to your promise. Yes. It's when you're not trying to get over on the government, hallelujah, is when you're holding on to your promise. It's about making the right choice to honor God over yourself and over others. Amen. It's about what you do when no one else is looking. Yes, Lord. Can we give him glory just for a minute? Thank you, Lord, for your promises. Hallelujah. See, because right choices, they lead to your promise becoming a reality. And we see that even as a slave, even as a, 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 a prisoner in prison, we see that Joseph made the right choices. And, and I want to say something that my wife always tells the young people, and I'm going to tell the young people, I'm going to tell all of us today, that no matter what you do, no matter where you're working, no matter how much you make, no matter what the position you hold, do the right thing. Amen. Work hard because even if your boss, the boss doesn't see it, even if the manager doesn't see it, maybe they don't acknowledge you. I guarantee you that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will acknowledge you. You want to see people who move up in a company, you want to see some people who move up and then maybe own the company, they did the right thing when no one was looking. They made the effort and not just got by, but they, they made the effort. They, they sweat a little more. God sees it all. He sees it all. And all of a sudden, when you begin to make some good choices, God places supernatural favor over your life that will lead you to your promise. And it's that promise that God already ordained for you. And I would say God is faithful to fulfill his promise over your life. 
He's faithful. He's faithful. So many times in my life when I gave up on some promises, so many times in my life when I gave up on my promises, so many times in my life that I gave up on my promises, but thank God that there was just a little flicker of hope in here. A little bit of that promise. Just a tiny little bit of that promise. And keep going, Mark. Make the right decision. Even when I didn't want to make the right decision. And sometimes I did not, right? But in his mercy, he kept calling me. He kept saying, but there's a promise for your life, Mark. And I kept saying, well, God, well, your word says you're faithful, but this is taking too long. But your word says that you're faithful. But look at everything that I'm going through. But God was faithful. Faithful. He's faithful to you. He's faithful to your family. He's faithful, hallelujah, to your community. When we take a stand to represent him, do the right thing and say, yes, my promise will be fulfilled in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Why do we have to go through this pain? Why? Why? Why did, did God allow Joseph, who's making all these right decisions, go from, from maybe he'll, he'll go up and then come back down, go up and come back down? Why is this? It's because God was trying to create in him some endurance, right? Amen. He needed to be able to endure some things yes, in order to fulfill the promise God had given him. And sometimes this is the hardest part, brothers and sisters, is to endure, is to persevere. It is to it is when the enemy says just stay home sleeping, you say, No, I've got to get to church, even if I drag myself there. I've got to get to church because I believe God has a word for my life. I got to get to church because I got to hold on to my promise. I refuse to let go of my promise. And brothers and sisters, there's some times when we don't like the pain. There's some times when the pain does not feel so good. There's some times when there's some people talking about you. There's some times when there's some people who may not agree with you. There's some people trying to talk you out of your promise. Hallelujah. But you can't be led by what you feel. You can't be led. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to Jesus. We can't be led by what we like or what we don't like. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We got to hold on. We got to hold on to the promise that God placed in our hearts. You didn't choose the promise. It's a gift from God. Yes. It's a gift. Yes, Lord. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. God is speaking to some people in here. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. And there's some how else do we hold on to the promise, church? We got to use the word of God. Yes. We got to begin to say, but the word of God, because I'm telling you, some people are going to come against your promise. The devil's going to come against your promise. You might come against your own promise sometimes. And there's some moments where you've got to begin to proclaim the word of God and say, Hebrews 13, 5 says, he will never leave me or forsake me. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he cares for me. John chapter 14, 12 says, I will do even greater things than Jesus.
Jesus because he went to the Father. John 15, 7 says, if I remain in him and his words remain in me, whatever I ask will be given unto me. John 16, 3 says, the Holy Spirit will guide me to all his truth. Mark 13, 11 says, the Holy Spirit will give me the right words when I need them. Romans 5, 2 says, I have access to his grace. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, there is no condemnation on me because I am in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 27. When your promise isn't even a thought in your mind. And in those moments, we got to dig deep, right? We got to dig deep and begin to say, but Philippians 4.19 says, God will supply all my needs. Second Corinthians chapter 12, 9 says, God's grace is sufficient for me. Galatians 6, 7 says, I will reap what I sow. Ephesians 1.14 says, I have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. That's it. Church, that's how we hold on to our promise. Yes, Lord. When we can't go no more, hallelujah. Yes, Lord. We got to call, we got to phone a friend sometime. Phone a we got to phone a friend. It's all right. Hallelujah. And that friend's got a powerful name. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have a conversation. With Jesus say, Jesus, I can't even go no more. Jesus, I feel like giving up. Jesus, I don't see no promise. Yes. Ephesians 3.12 says this to us. It says, you may approach God with freedom and confidence. That's it. You can approach him. You can have conversation with him. That's it. God is okay with you saying, God, I feel like giving up. It, when we, listen, can we get real? Hallelujah. There's some moments you say, God, I don't, I don't even know if I can do this. God is looking for that so he can bring strength, right? Because my Bible tells me that when I am weak, he is strong. And he'll lift you up. And he'll revive that promise in your life. We look at this story, we see that that while Joseph was in prison, there was two servants in there from from uh, Pharaoh, from the king. Yeah. There was two servants in jail with him, and they both had dreams. They said, "We had these dreams. We don't know. We don't know what they mean." Joseph said, "Let me hear the dream. Let me hear the dream." And he heard the first dream. He said, "This is what it means, man. It means that in three days you're going to leave here, and you're going to be back in the king's house, in the king's castle. You're going to be back in Potiphar's uh, uh, kingdom. You'll be back." Yeah. Sure enough, three days happened, and he ended up back with Pharaoh. The other guy had a dream, and he tells him, oh, guess what? You're going to get killed. They're going to kill you here. Sure enough, a couple days go by, boom. Joseph said, man, I discovered something here in my prison. Lord, have mercy. See, see, he needed, he needed to refine the gift that God had given him. And, and he was going to do that in prison. And, and so when you find yourself 
in a spiritual prison fighting is because God is trying to refine some things in your life in order for you to fulfill your promise. The Bible says that a few days, a few uh, months or years later, I forget how long, but the Pharaoh had a dream, and he called all his magicians and people, and he said, I had this dream, and no one could tell him what the dream meant. He was getting desperate. And all of a sudden, the cupbearer, the same guy who had been hanging out with Joseph, said, man, when I was in prison, Pharaoh, there was a guy who, who interpreted some dreams, and they came true. And the Pharaoh said, well, bring him to me. And the Bible says that they took Joseph out of that dirty, nasty prison. Right? A place where he had found favor. Yeah. The Bible says that, that he was in charge in prison, too. Yeah. But a place where he found favor and a place where God refined his gift. Yes, Lord. And kinged them up and they brought him before Pharaoh and said, here's the dream. And, and Joseph said, I, I know what the dream means. Yeah. He said, there's going to be seven years of plenty. And then there's going to be seven years of famine where there's not going to be anything and people will, will die. Yeah, yeah. He says, here's what you need to do, Pharaoh. You need to, uh, during those seven years of plenty, you need to conserve and save and, and stockpile that stuff. Yes, Lord. So that in the seven years of, of famine, we can, we can survive. So you need to find a person who will do that. And Pharaoh says, as I look around my kingdom, hallelujah. He said, I, I believe you've got that promise, yeah. Joseph. Yeah. Joseph, you hold that promise. You come and you stand by me. No one will be higher in this kingdom except for me. And he put Joseph in charge. Lord, have mercy. And the Bible says that his brothers and his father got real hungry in those seven years of famine. Yeah. And they came not knowing who Joseph was, and they bowed before Joseph. Yes, And there's some there's some folks, hallelujah, who might be making fun of you right now because you came to church, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But you won't know one day, as you live out your promise, they may come down and bow before you and say, you were right, and I was wrong. Not to glorify you, but to glorify the Father in heaven, because you decided to make the right choice. Because you decided to hold on to your promise. Church, hold on to your promise. Resist the devil and he will take a hike. Resist the devil, the Bible says, and he will flee. It says if you draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh unto you. Hold on to your promise, church. Church, let's stand this morning. Temptation still comes to me, right? I just want to run, get in the car, and just go until the car runs out of gas. But one choice that I made by the grace of God is that I held on to the promise. And I'm here to encourage you to tell you that no matter what you've been through, no matter where you are, God is ready to revive that promise in your life. He's able, he's the only one who can. So 
some other folks will come and stomp on it. And God will come and he'll breathe life into it. Yes. So I just want to pray for you guys today because I don't want you to miss it. I don't care if you're 20 years old or 12 years old or 50 years old or 70 years old or whatever. We serve and we are in the presence of a God of life who brings life, breathes life into dead things and they come back to life. And so I just urge you, let them breathe on you today. We can just close our eyes. I want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit of God in this place. We thank you, God, for the promises, the Lord, that you placed in us. We didn't choose them. We didn't pick them. You chose them for us, Lord. I pray for every heart in this place right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray for every heart here. Holy Spirit of God, that we would, Lord, submit to you, that we would, Lord, be vulnerable to you in your presence right now, Lord. Lord, I believe, Lord, that there are some mighty, mighty warriors in this place, God, that you have brought here so you can begin to revive the promises in them, God. Some world changers in here, some Philadelphia changers in this place. We thank you, God. I thank you for bringing them here today. Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. And, And before... I just want to make an invitation here. You may say, well, how do I start that promise? You need Jesus in your heart. You need Jesus in your heart. You need to surrender to Jesus. You need to surrender to you. Say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you to change something. I need you. I need to submit to you. I need you to revive my promise. And so if we could just close our eyes just for one more moment, I'm going to make an invitation. I'm going to count to three, and if that's you, and you say, I want the promise revived in me, I don't even know if it's real, but I believe something in this place is telling me that it's real. And everybody else doubts, and maybe I doubt, but for a minute I'm going to believe. So if that's you on the count of three, you'll raise your hand. One, two, three. Just raise your hand all over the room. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. See hands lifted all over the room. Church, can we raise our hands with them? We're going to say a prayer right now. And I need you to say it and mean it. Jesus, I'm tired of running from here to there without you. I need you to revive me. Revive my promise. Help me to hold on to it. To discover it. And to live it. Forgive me for all the things I've done when I hurt people, when they hurt me. Help me to forgive. Change me. Transform me. I want to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. We give Jesus a If you said that prayer and you meant it, he receives you in his kingdom right now. The Bible says that in the spirit, there's a that if you meant it, there's angels who are celebrating for you right now. And at church, at this moment, as the, the young people begin to sing, I'm going to open this altar. If you're sick, if you feel battered, 
if you're struggling with something, you can come up and we'll pray with you. And, 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 and the main thing is, it's not that we pray with you, but that you would have conversation with your Creator. So at this time, please, please, don't be shy. This is home for you. Thanks for listening this week. We hope you enjoyed the message. Please subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you listen on. Have a blessed week.